We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Maricela, Dei Mater Alma, Ad Semper Virgo, Felix And welcome everybody, Steve with Sense Fidelity. I'm coming at you with a little thing that we have to do, maybe one, an annual event, just to clarify, almost fact check things that you may see online and social media by posting by other people because Father R, if you don't know, he doesn't have a Twitter feed and he's not on social media. He's kind of busy. So anyway, first off, Father, welcome. How you doing? Glad you can come on. Oh, thanks for having me, Steve. It's good to see you again, as always. Uh, I'm doing well, just uh, busy, as you can imagine, given the state of the world. We're, we're pretty busy over here in our community. So. It's, I guess, it's one of those uh, things that just never goes to rest. The, the devil's going to be there, and you just, uh, until you die, you're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and our, our, our caseload is ramping up, not necessarily because things are, because we're seeing it more in the world so much as it is, is that uh, we're starting to get cases referred to us, so things are ramping up, which is good, actually. So you're very popular because of the channel. You're <clears> out there, you're getting more publicity. People are asking you to come on more programs. You're doing interviews. You're doing lectures. And people might cut and paste maybe what they think they heard or saw, or maybe for just to get the uh, clickbait, they they take your stuff and post it online. So this is kind of like a David Letterman top 10. What did Father Ripperger actually say? But it's not exactly 10. It's my show. I can do, I don't like math. We're making it whatever number we want. So <laughs> this is the fact check going right to the source. So Father, if you're ready for it, we'll go for it. Let's go for it. All right. Number 10.8. <laughs> Father, did you say Democrats were possessed or the Democrat psychologically is demonic uh, eschatology? Is that the right word? Uh, psychology, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, that's a whole funny story because basically it all started because I did this um, thing where I talked about how if you look at the psychology of certain politicians, certain politicians, if you look at the, uh, the, that their psychology actually mimics diabolic psychology, I wasn't saying they were possessed. I was just saying the psychology is the same by what they actually do. Nowhere in that interview is the word Republican or Democrat ever mentioned. So I never said the Democrats were possessed. In fact, in there, I said that, you know, we, there's no way to know these, whether these people are possessed. In fact, they, we don't know. In fact, I would never say that they actually were. But it all started because there was a guy who wrote a article in the UK in The Sun, uh, the paper The Sun, and in there, he, it was the worst piece of journalism I've ever done, I've ever seen, I should say. So what happens is he would literally do this. Father Ripperger says Democrats that, quote, are diabolically influenced, unquote. I'm like, or he would say, Father Ripperger says that Democrats are, quote, possessed, unquote, when I, you know, it's obviously he couldn't get a full quote. And I even wrote the guy and said, hey, look, this is really shoddy. You know I didn't say these things, and he never would respond. He might not have ever got it because who knows if he even got my, my email. But it, it made me realize, you know, they'd say, I don't know if it's true, but they say the first class you take in journalism, you're told 
in your first class, in the first few minutes, you are not here to report the facts. You're here to create a story. Well, this is one of those stories that was created. Unfortunately, it's getting spread around a little bit, but it also tells you that most mainstream journalism is fiction, basically. Uh, uh, so, you and I talked about this before when I played ball. I, I remember getting interviewed. My brothers talked about this before. We've you get the next day that it comes in the newspaper and everyone's cracking on you for you really said that? No, I didn't say anything near what they just wrote. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've actually given typed out answers to journalists. They literally cannot take it from that page and put it on their page yeah. without changing it into something I never said. So. All right, number 10.8, or 10.6, we did eight. Electric cars, which I hate with a passion, are like a beehive or some such thing of demons. Yeah, somebody had put out a meme on that, and it kind of got it circulated around. I'm like, <laughs> I've never even talked about electric cars on anything I've ever done. And, you know, the only thing that I find cool about electric cars is how fast they accelerate. Outside of that, I, I find them just to a waste. But how, uh, so no, I never said that. Or how fast they incinerate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it's almost when I saw that thinking. You, I remember years ago you asked me to put your name next to the videos because people were getting confused on who it is. And still today, yeah. I get, hey, Father Rips was this was a great one by Father R. And I'm going. It was even close to Father. It was a different priest that said it. So maybe it was well, and that, I. Yeah, and part of that also had to do with the fact that I think it was about that time, or maybe it was just shortly after there, around that time, <clears throat> where there was a, a guy who was putting my name on other priests' homilies as clickbait. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, you were able to get a lot of that straightened out. So. Uh, summary, uh, summary to Dominion. Yeah, there's a guy who put out on Amazon. I see it. Oh, people yeah, the, the Amazon one, yes. Yeah, I see people reference that from time to time. I'm like... Now, I, I put the book out, Dominion, and this thing came out like a week later. I'm like, wow, the guy would read, you know, a 650-page book and put out a summary in less than a week. I'm like, that's impressive. So I ordered the thing, got it in. Other than my name mentioned on the title, there is absolutely nothing in that bu that little booklet that he has that says anything about me. It looks like it's some some paper he wrote in college and he just put it out there on Amazon and put my name on it to get people to actually buy the thing. So I ended up actually posting on Amazon that, you know, Hey, but with my name on it, Hey, this thing has nothing to do with me. So I don't know what the deal is, but there it is. <laughs> I remember you calling telling me about that going, how do we fight this? Now they're writing books <laughs> about yeah, the books. It's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. One of the biggest challenges facing seminaries today is finding students who don't watch anime. Uh, you ever said any of this? No. Yeah. There's some guy who put out a meme. You know, by, by the way, <clears throat> I should mention, I don't have any problem with people making memes of me because some people actually have. And some of them are absolutely hilarious. Right. But it's stuff that it's it's absolutely clear that it's stuff that I would never say or have said. And it's put it in such a manner that everyone knows it's a joke. Right. So I have no problem with that. And find actually find that entertainment. And we've talked about over and over again how I find, actually I find my detractors more entertainment than anything else. Um, just from some of the stuff they say. We've actually started about, talked about starting an award, which we got to do, Steve. We need to start an award where every year 
there's somebody who it's like in a Darwin award. Somebody gets the award for saying the dumbest Catholic thing possible online. Right. And so, um, but anyway, that being said, um, no, I never said that, but it kind of got circulated around. Like I did say that, but I didn't say that. It's like Corbett, give him the dinosaur awards. Yeah, there you go. And just to let you all know out there, he might not be omnipotent like God, but somehow we could find out if you post something online all you got to do is type it in the search bar and all your stuff comes out. So if it's, if it's yeah. there and we could find it and he's not on Twitter, how do you think judgment day is going to be? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, that's a very interesting thing because people think that they, you know, they get to, they get to type in stuff and they're kind of like hiding behind the technology. They don't actually have to face the individual. They say these things are now they're going to have to face them at their final judgment or at the, at the general judgment, at least. So there's nothing you do that isn't revealed. Let's see how he says 80% of government officials in the United States of America are Satanists. Yeah. I I know others that have said that. I've never heard you say that. Uh, Yeah. I've never said that. First of all, I would not, I I would argue that that's actually grossly too high. I don't think, I, I mean, there could be some that are in there. Obviously we don't know. We would never have any sense of knowing exactly how many, um, but um, and yeah, and I don't, I don't think that that's actually the case. I think most of the people that are in, um, in government, especially at the federal level, I don't think they're actually in it. I think the percentage is, you know, probably 20% would be extraordinarily high. So, um, but it's, but I, I there's obviously some that are in it, um, just by some of the stuff that ends up coming out and things of that sort that I never said 80%. Yeah, if it's eighty percent, then people more people know about Bohemian Grove than uh, do now, I guess. Yes, exactly. Let's see. Uh, there was another priest that said that uh, that you said almost all vaccines are illicit. Oh boy, we said the V word. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You might have to edit that word out. <clears throat> do you want to restart that question? <laughs> uh, it's, as long as it doesn't get you know, we don't talk about something that those things do. I guess uh, I've actually I don't know just. Yeah, yeah actually, that was an extrapolation of something that he that from some stuff that I had said, this uh, this particular priest, he had he had wrote uh, a three part article and I could only get through about the first five pages. And it was like wading through spaghetti. Um, it was so difficult because the terms that were being used were um, his, his technical understanding of the terms was very sloppy. And so in the end, I just didn't even respond because I found that it was uh, it, it, it would have literally required a book, which is ironic because that's what he said about me. Father River is just this is so bad. And et cetera. I'm like, well, OK. Um, and it's so funny. He's like at, at one point he actually said, I don't even think the guy knows what the object of the moral act is. That's what I wrote my doctoral dissertation. on. <laughs> so he's just like, OK, um, but I no, I never said that, and I would not hold that. I think there are certain vaccinations because of their connection to um, to the aborted fetal, fetal tissue issue by varying degrees and in various ways are a problem. Um, then of those that aren't, of course, there's also proportion. One of the things I was telling people is, is that um, you know, with the with uh, with a lot of these things in the medical community, you just have to be very prudent because a lot of stuff they're proposing now is just medically imprudent, just on a medical level let alone a moral level. So, And this gets nuked from YouTube. Now we got a new CEO here, even though it's the same as the last one. You'll find this on Spiritus TV, just the FYI. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, all right, some uh, maybe some longer explanations up here. Uh, some have accused you of making things up theologically. Uh, what would you say to some of these critics? Yeah, I get that. People will say things like, where did he come up with this? Uh, this this all started uh, the first time I started noticing people saying that about me was one time I actually in my book on psychology, I actually make a reference to a very specific location where St. Thomas refers to the uh, imagination, cogitative power and the common sense power and, and the memory as the passive intellect. So those four constitute the passive intellect. And this guy, he sees it. He sees the reference. He sees that right there is where St. Thomas says, and he literally says, where did you come up with that? I'm like, it's right there. right? And so I'll literally get, um, so what I'm seeing is a phenomenon that's very consistent is that um, what we're seeing is there's a lot of uh, usually men between the ages of 25 and 35, but a lot of men are coming out with theology degrees, or they just think they know theology. And that their, their scope of study is extremely narrow. It's usually post-conciliar. It's very narrow. And so they have very little knowledge of the fathers or the theologians. That is, those are the theological schools from 1100 to 1750. Um, they very often have very little knowledge of what the, the church has said in particular matters throughout the last uh, 200 years, in fact, prior to the council. And so because they've never heard it, they actually think I'm making it up, even though I give the specific citation on this stuff. This is one of the reasons why people complain that my that my books, you know, like the book on on um, on psychology, if I remember right, has almost ten thousand citations. And the reason you have to do that is be precisely because of this. But part of it is I just want to make it available so if people want to go and do further study. But we're seeing a demographic between twenty five and thirty five. They're usually guys who think they know theology. They've put out a shingle on YouTube. They're unmarried. And um, and so and they're very miffed about some of the stuff I say. And so they'll say things like, I'm just making this stuff up when in point, in fact, I'm not. And it's just a sign that we're in a period, which, by the way, my intention is to hack it. My, my intention is to get people to realize we're living in a time when even the people who have got theology degrees, are grossly ignorant of the tradition. And even people who claim to be traditionalists very often are grossly um, ignorant of the tradition. And so this is just one of the, in fact, one of the things that I find hilarious is, is that you get these guys that, well, I'm a traditionalist and I know everything about the tradition. Well, have you read Franzoli's books on fine tradition? No, well, then you know nothing, frankly. You know, and so it literally, if you don't know at least that work, you don't know anything. So, um, but anyway, we, I've mentioned that before, but that's that's kind of the thing that we actually see is people say, say I'm making stuff up. Um, and um, I just I, I literally I don't put anything out unless I can back it up with some type of a citation, generally speaking. I actually had that today. Somebody tagged me online as uh, tagged Ryan as well, saying, hey, is, uh, is there any citations in Dominion about this topic? And uh, I looked up and go, yeah, it's about the I lost count. I stopped counting after 30. Just yeah, exactly. Open the book. <laughs> yeah, I actually had some priests who were arguing back and forth amongst each other because of the fact that they, they thought I was wrong about this one particular topic. And so one of them wrote me, who's actually a good friend of mine, and said, um, hey, can you address this? I said, no, they need to read the book. And they said, well, can we just can you give us a summary? I said, no, they need to read the book. Well, can you can we send that part of the book? I said, no, they need to buy the book. And part of the reason I was saying that is because one of the really bad things is that people don't study this stuff 
coherently or in depth. They don't, even when they're criticizing people, they don't make sure they understand the person's argument well to be able to properly combat it. And so you get all this straw man stuff that's occurring in the argumentation. That's not what the guy even said, or that's not even what I said. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why you're just getting a lot of people saying stuff that they've never really formally studied. In fact, with the I write, I wrote, I wrote the priest back. I said, okay, let me get this straight. They're disagreeing with me. They've never formally studied this area. They've never done any deliverance work or exorcisms. They haven't even read my book. They haven't read the approved authors. I went down this list of all these things, and they're telling me I'm wrong. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I start thinking of that book by McAllister, uh, After Virtue, which is based on emotion over reason. Uh, just everything. Yeah, Alistair McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Next one. Uh, some also criticize you for being a celebrity exorcist priest. Yeah. Uh, I, I immediately thought when I saw that going, I think it's Climacus that said, sometimes you have to risk not being, he didn't use the word celebrity. You may have to risk being that to get the truth out there. So anyway, what do you say to this? Um, well, first of all, people tell me I'm a celebrity, but I don't, I think that's an, an I, th I should say, there are certain pockets within the church that I'm well known. Outside those pockets, nobody knows me. I mean, I can walk into certain churches and nobody has a clue who I am, right? And so I'm not the, I'm not a celebrity. In fact, I'm not nearly as well known as people like, say, Father Michael Schmitz or someone like that, or even Bishop Barron. Yeah, I mean, I don't have that kind of a followership. Um, and so I don't really consider myself a celebrity. Second of all, I never pursued it. I do tell people you can blame my sister. God bless her. She's a she's a good woman, right? She's the one that actually that runs my press. But she um, she was the first one. She asked me, "Hey, would you be willing to just record your homilies?" Because she liked them, and she would record your homilies and then make them available to me. So I set up a private web page where she could download them and listen to them. Well, I made the mistake of giving it to this woman who was in her 70s. She wanted to listen. So okay, but don't give it to anyone else. And then boom, next thing I know, it's all over the place. Um, and I, one of the things that people watch very closely, I do not specifically think to myself, I need to create content. All I do is if I, if I record something, because uh, probably only about 30% of what, uh, when I lecture is actually recorded. And then even out of that, maybe only about half of that is actually ends up on the internet. And the only stuff I really put on the internet is stuff that I realize people need to hear something about this or this. We need to get the conflict of conversation talking about this. So I tend to take a past reports rather than some of these guys who are just literally creating content. And you can kind of tell that because there are certain priests out there that are um, putting content up, but you can tell they're addressing pastoral issues. They're not trying to make a name for themselves which I think is the dividing line. If you're trying to put out the content specifically, since you have lots of content, well then, I mean, I do have a lot of content, but that's because it's been 15, 20 years of accumulating stuff and just throwing stuff, whatever out there. As far as it being, you know, that I'm a celebrity exorcist priest. Well, the fact is, is if you, the only time, the only reason I really started talking about spiritual warfare online was because of the fact that people needed to hear it. This was a pastoral need. And the priests that are complaining about it, if you watch very closely, they'll say things like, there's no reason for the lay people to be studying any of this. They don't need to know this. They need to just say their prayers. Oh, really? Say their prayers, say the rosary, and they're fine. Yeah, really? Well, okay, look, let's just take let's just take an example of our Lord. If you're supposed to be like our Lord, if it's a priest, it's supposed to be our Lord. Not that I necessarily think this has to be the exact percentage, but if you actually look in the scriptures and the gospels, 23% of the gospels are Christ dealing with demons. Mm -hmm. So there's that. 
The second part about it is, and so that tells us Christ wanted us to know, and the gospel writers wanted us to know, that the spiritual warfare component is an integral part of, of the spiritual life. It's not the primary focus, obviously God is, but it's still a part that you need to be have somewhat a certain amount of awareness, depending on your state in life. And the priests who avoid it, I find there's all sorts of reasons. One, just don't believe in them. They don't believe in demons. Um as one bishop said, you know, oh, I believe in Satan, just not in my diocese. Or you have the, um, or you'll have priests who are um, lazy. That's what I'm seeing a vast percentage of them. They don't want to have to deal with the spiritual warfare component among their people, because if they do, that means you're going to have to work, and it's not easy work. And because St. Alphonsus Liguri says, um, and actually you see this among the numerous numbers of exorcists talk about this, that uh, not, not just me, that actually every single pastor should be doing minor exorcisms over his own people. That's what St. Alphonsus Liguri says. That's what Saint, that's what uh, Father Amorth said. Um, and if you're going to complain about exorcists, um, you know, putting stuff out there, well, then you're going to have to complain about Amorth, who is basically the father of modern exorcism, is probably one of the crucial people in this area in the last 50 to 100 years. You're going to have to start complaining about Father Bamante, who, by the way, is probably one of the most solid theological uh, exorcists out there, who's now the head of the uh, International Association of Exorcists. You're going to have to start complaining about a lot of people. And I, I tell people, look, the issue isn't whether they're out there talking about it. I mean, I get it that some exorcists want to remain hidden, but the fact is, is that there has to be somebody talking about this. And so that's why Amorth started talking about it. And that's why actually Bramante still puts his stuff out, etc. But the, the but if you notice, there's a hallmark, and this is what I noticed with um, Amorth and Bamonte, and this is why I kind of um, use them as an example, and that is I never talk about stuff that's sensationalized. If there's anything that seems extraordinary that I talk about in something that, say, the demon said or did, it's purely for the sake of catechesis or educating people. It's not just to, wow, people, look, you saw this. I'm not interested in that. It's just curiosity, and it's a waste of people's time. And quite frankly, that stuff's boring anyway after a while. The real stuff that's interesting is that the stuff that we learn about our, our Lord and our Lady and our saints. And... I think that as long as a, as a priest keeps that as his focus, um, you know, that he's just there to educate people on how to engage in the spiritual warfare well, then I don't think it's really an issue. So, you know, when people say I'm a celebrity exorcist priest, I think that's a bit of a mis misnomer. I am known, like I said a little bit. It's true that I'm an exorcist, but my focus when I'm teaching this stuff is very narrow. <clears throat> and as you know, Steve, if you actually look at the conferences that I have online, the number of conferences that actually deal with exorcism or spiritual warfare doesn't even constitute 15% of my stuff out there. A vast majority of it doesn't have to do with that. So anyway, that's my defense of myself. And some guy after your sister, I guess, took it and put it up for the world for on some YouTube channel and uh, kind of gave you a megaphone. So that increased that uh, thing. But it, you're, you're speaking stuff that most everyone here, guys, the laymen yeah. are getting excited about it. And they just want more and more. It's just what if everyone else was doing that, then it'd just be instead of just one like yourself, there's now 20, 30, 50. And, right. I mean, last time I checked, well, you know, you're walking through Denver International Airport and uh, people aren't treating you like NSYNC or Justin Timberlake walking down the terminal. You're just Right, exactly. The other thing is, too, is, is that uh, just as you said, one of the things when I was first ordained, I was one of the very, very few priests 
doing the preaching in conferences from a Thomistic point of view. I was one of the very few that was, I mean, there was only just a handful of priests at the time that were actually doing that. And now I'm glad to see that a number of the younger guys are picking up that and they're doing that. So that's good to see. Yeah, like you say, you got to risk it, and it's not something you want. Your motivation is not for that. I can speak for that. I'm not, you're yeah. not looking for the fame. You're just getting the info out, and it's how people react. And Roger Maris, when he was breaking Babe Ruth's record, he just wanted to hit the ball. He did not care for the the uh, all this stuff that went through it. His hair was falling out from all this all the people coming up to him. They were like, "Oh, you're doing it for celebrity reasons? No, you're just playing ball." Just, just doing your yeah job. exactly and that's 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 what i do and it was kind of funny because i was just at steubenville just this last weekend and one of the <laughs> one of the guys comes up a great guy comes up to me and he says you know now that i'm standing next to you i realize you're just like me and i said i put my pants on the same way you do <laughs> right so it's one of those things where it just um you know and I, like i said i i quite frankly the other thing too is is that if someone else has given a homily or a conference in an area where I think it's adequate, I stay out of it. I just figured it's already been done. There's no point in me waiting in on that. One of the conferences that uh, was on exclusively on uh, Spiritus TV, we took it down to edit it because there was something that you said that Our Lady said in 1929 that was or were not accurate. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So basically what I said is I said that in 1929, Our Lady had basically said to um, uh, Lucia that she had actually said, uh, if, if I remember right, it was in a separate vision, but she had actually said to Lucia that um, that the Pope would consecrate Russia, but it would be late, too late, basically to avert what was going to happen. And so, um, but as it turns out, uh, shout out to Matt Gaspars, who runs um, the... Uh, uh, Catholic Family News, he, he, he texted me and he said, actually, it, it was there was an inaccuracy. So I just want to read um, the the actual thing just so to, just to make that correction. He said, um, he said, probably what you have in mind is the actual words of our Lord, not our lady to Sister Lucia, which he communicated by means of an interlocution in August 1931, while Sister Lucia was staying with a friend in Yonjo, Spain. Um, quote, make it known by my ministers that given they follow the example of King of France, it's Louis XIV, uh, in delaying the execution of my request, that's the consecration, because our Lord said Louis had to consecrate uh, France, and then we wouldn't have the French Revolution, we wouldn't be going through all this stuff, um, that they will follow this into, into misfortune. It will never be too late to have recourse to Jesus and Mary. So then, um, he says, there was found in a letter to Sister Lucia to her bishop um, the following quote, quote, they, that is the Pope and bishops, did not want to, he this is Christ talking to her again. They did not want to heed my request of the consecration of Russia. Like the king of France, they will repent and do so, but it will be late. So in other words, and he says, Russia will have already spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church the Holy Father will suffer much. So basically, what I was attributing to Our Lady was actually what Christ said to Lucia. So um, we, he did predict that there would be the consecration, but it would be late. And that by this time, the errors of Russia will have spread and we're going to have this problem. So I just wanted to make that clarification. I guess uh, you could have said back to Matt, you know who I am. I said it. I stand by. That's what I said, uh, which goes into the next question. <laughs> Well, that's uh, the one thing I like about, like, I was just going to say, that's one thing I do like about Matt Gaspar. He, he, he's a man of no guile, right? So he's just <laughs> wanting to, he just, he wants the truth to get out there. And 
Um, and he was very, you know, good about, hey, my, my father, I think this is what you really meant. And I'm like, actually, that is what I meant. So, yeah, I kid, but I was trying to go into the next question, which is uh, some say in your videos that uh, they tell you are haughty, arrogant, and intellectually proud. Uh, we're going to probably get well, probably get the critic, whoever's upset about that, on this answer. So uh, what do you say to that? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny. Whenever anybody accuses you of pride, well, that's like shooting ducks at a barrel because every single human being has that problem, yeah, right? Yeah. The real question is whether it's really bad. But what I'm finding is that we're back to kind of that demographic of guys between 25 and 35, and they they just find me annoying. And what's happening is, I think that really boils down to this. People mistake intellectual clarity and also conviction, intellectual conviction in the truth of things because they're clear with intellectual arrogance or proud. He's just proud intellectually. Well, part of the problem that's actually happened with modernism is, is because we've transposed the objective reality as the criteria for whether something is true. That's the principle of evidence. So the principle of evidence says it's reality. That is the facts. And that reality determines how certain we are of the thing. Well, there are certain things that are very clear, right? And so, and so when you speak of them in a clear fashion, for some people who this stuff isn't clear in their own mind or um, or they don't like the fact or they, they themselves don't have the courage to speak it clearly or speak it with conviction, they get mad at you because you're speaking that way. And so they just accuse you of being haughty, proud, or arrogant. Or if they just disagree with you or I've also seen if they just don't like what I'm saying, you're just arrogant. Well, that's just odd hominem. Let's just deal with the argument. Thank you. I like the great philosopher Kid Rock. It isn't pride? Is it? It's not arrogant if you can back it up. Yes, exactly. Or it could be that you know people are just jealous. Uh, they see you out there getting all the fame, not, not looking for fame, but the people are talking. Hey, look at this, and they get jealous that it's not them. Yeah, I've got a little bit of that from certain clergy, but not too many. That they they're just envious of the fact that. Um, I'm becoming known, but I, again, it's not like I'm seeking it, and it's not, I, I don't spend time grooming that side of things, right? Um, and if it happens, it happens. Uh, it's up to our Lord and our Lady to determine how they want to use that, how they want to make me known or not known. In fact, after I wrote my book on psychology, I gave it to our Lady and I said, how much success you want this to have is entirely at your discretion, which is true, because I've seen people write, um, you even see this in the history of stuff where somebody will have written a better explanation, but then, you know, Joe Philosopher X managed to get the credit for it or the one that became better known, right? When in point in fact, it was other people. And you even see this, you know, with certain philosophers get the credit for certain things when in point in fact, it was somebody else, which is another reason why I'm always referencing every, um, referencing the saints and the fathers and this type of thing for two reasons. One is that to make people realize that I don't see this as mine. This is not mine. I'm not coming up with this. I'm not the genius. I mean, people say, you know, you're so smart. No, I just come off as smart because I'm telling you what the saints say, right? But then, the, but the other part of it is, is to get people to go back to the saints. I had a, um, uh, again, when I was in Steubenville just recently, one of the guys came up to me and he just says, Father, I just wanted to let you know that I've actually stopped listening to you and actually have started to go back and reading the fathers, reading the theologians. And I said, that was the goal. Yeah. So. That's like uh, Alphonsus. I always, some people ask, why do you like him? Like, he quotes the Hall of Famers. He quotes the saints, the doctors. And 
Yeah, you know, that, it, uh, Alphonsus Liguri, you see this sometimes with Suarez, but Bellarmine is like that. He yeah. is on a completely different. I mean, this guy can quote, you know, 20, 30 people on the same topic, you know, and that's why I tell people when you read people like that, even St. Thomas, but when you read because St. Thomas, the intellectual genius of St. Thomas is his clarity and penetrating depth into the topic. But then when you get to people like um, St. Robert Bellarmine, their memory is just, they're on a different level than anyone else. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost like their own words are the minimal. If they use the saints words before them, at a maximum, it's yes. more their quotes than it is theirs. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right, we're in the top three, ladies and gentlemen, of the program. Uh, I don't have any music, sorry. Uh, technical difficulties. Uh, you've often said that Kyle and yourself uh, base things on experience, which is objective. And the conclusions you get to, uh, you usually don't give the conclusions to the conclusions right. you guys come up with. Yeah. A lot of times people, like, let me give you an example. One of the things I get criticized the most for is the stuff on Harry Potter, right? And so uh, this is, that's just one of those <laughs> that's just one of those topics that just blows everything up. All you have to say, you just either good or bad about Harry Potter, and you know it's going to blow Everybody's up. triggered. Yeah, every, exactly. And if you actually look at what I say about Harry Potter, I say my own personal opinion is you should stay away from it. But if you actually look at my answer. I start going down a list of things that you can verify on your own or which are actually my experience. I'm not extrapolating from my experience. I'm just telling you, this is what happened. And what I've noticed is today is people don't look at your premises or your facts to back it up or just the, the, the objective criteria that you've provided. They just look to your conclusion and they don't like it. So they attack you and they're not dealing with the argument, which is, it's, I think that one of the things that concerns me the most is, is that intellectually people don't know basic informal fallacies. They don't know how, they don't know formal logic. They don't even know how to log, reason logically. Um, they don't even know how to argue or persuade. Well, I mean, on every single level, this stuff is just breaking down. But anyway, the point being is that a lot of times we just, when we give answers, well, that's your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. I'm just telling you, this is objectively what mine or other exorcists experienced. Recently, one guy was really criticizing me because he says, if I hear Father Ripiter say again, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that uh, one exorcist I know says, I'm just going to, I can't take that anymore. Well, the reason I do that is because there are certain things I can't talk about in my experience because of the fact that it's, uh, it's the church doesn't want me talking about it. But then there's other things where I do have permission to talk about on my own experience. But then there's other exorcists that have experience that, we, that can be talked about. And so that's why we talk about them. But anyway, that all being said, the, these when we recount our experience, that's the objective reality of the situation. What you extrapolate from that is another matter. And if you notice, a lot of times I'll just tell people, well, this is what I've seen and this is what I've heard. You make your own judgment on it. Do you get anybody to like, hit you up say, hey, you know, Father, what do you mean by that? Or is it just more of a just uh, like you like the trigger for you at you? Do you get anybody oh, I just find asking that, you? I just find people's emotional lives are so unregulated. They just trigger. You know, you don't even have to, you know, and... and I, it's, I, you know, I, I, I've talked about as a joke, of course, I would never do such a thing, but um, it's just getting a fake name and just troll people. It's just, you know, and I, I admit that that's a disordered 
satisfaction I would give just just to get push people's buttons because people are so button pushable. I mean, you just you just have to put, just say a little bit and people just go off the deep end. In fact, in our line of work, we have this thing called LDBD, Little Demon Big Drama. And basically what that means is that the people are in a psychological state where the demon has to just go beep, and then also boom, there's this huge blow up, right? And that's what you get with people when you just say certain things like about Harry Potter or yoga or something like that. Uh, I think we should rename Twitter that. <laughs> little, yeah. little demon, big drama. Yeah, or trigger. We should instead of name it Twitter. We should call it trigger. Yeah. <laughs> you have supported the Soul Core project uh, in the past. Uh, yes. What is that, and do you still support it? Well, originally, Soul Core was a Catholic alternative to yoga, where the positions and the stretching and the movements were done independently of any yoga positions or anything like that. So it was to try and basically provide a form of stretching or a form of exercise, which was similar to yoga, but didn't have anything to do with yoga. And so... Uh, at the initial stages, when I looked at it some years ago, it seemed fine. Um, however, recently Kyle and I have noticed that it's become commercialized and there's certain things that are creeping into it. So I'm telling people that I, at this point, I really don't necessarily fully support it anymore. Um, and that my recommendation is, as it is with anything, if you need to know how to do stretching or something like that, because you have a legitimate need for it or whatever, if you just want to know, go talk to a physical therapist. They can tell you based on the science rather than on yoga. I, I mean, I was saying that before you because I was a exercise science major. I was a personal trainer for years. Everyone was big in yoga. Guys, if you just want to stretch, I can tell you how to stretch. I hate stretching. Here's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, full disclosure, father's not the only one. Uh, Father Abernathy's talked about this because he uses the desert fathers. It goes all the way back to about the uh, the intentions of the centering prayers in the sense. Or, and he even right. talks about that on his podcast. Yeah. Uh, do you have any new books out? I guess that's not a criticism. That's more of a question per se. <laughs> uh, no, that's a question. Yeah. Uh, the answer is, well, obviously I have the book with Dominion, which deals, it's for the lay people. The, there's a priest version called uh, The Nature and Psychology of Diabolical Influence, um, which is 828 pages. And that's out, which we've talked about a little bit already. I did put out quietly a book on charismatic graces yeah. um, and uh, it's not selling very much, but I'm not necessarily willing to push that too much because I know that if it gets too much out there, it's just going to stir the pot. So to speak. Yeah. It's going to trigger people. And it's not that my intention wasn't to trigger, it was just to give some intellectual clarity. Um, and I don't criticize the charismatics in there. I, I'm just saying, well, this is what the theology actually is. Um, I also put out a book on holy water. Mm -hmm. Um, which was a reprint. Um, it's interesting because in that book, they actually talk about communion in the hand in the early church, but how they got away from it. So in the very beginning, they talk about certain practices that were because of communion in the hand, but then later they talk about how certain forms of holy water fonts fell into use precisely because the church got away from it. But, but then there's that. It's a really then, good book, uh, too. Yeah, it is a good book because it actually, the reason I decided to reprint it is because it has a lot of practical stuff in it. And it's in that book that people see, because people have heard me say that you can add a, no more than 50%. I right. usually tell people just add 30% of water to holy water, and then it retains its blessing. And again, I got the, where does Ripperger come up with this? Well, it's, it's in right book. in that book. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but then the other book that is um, 
we are in the very final edits. It's actually uh, sitting on the bishop's desk as we speak. Uh, the title of it is The Limits of Papal Authority Over the Liturgy. Um, it's what I spent eight months researching what the fathers, what the theologians, what the saints, what the um, what the popes themselves, what the councils themselves said, and it's theological development, because um, there tends to be two extremes. There's those who say the pope can do whatever he wants, and there's those who say he can't do anything. When in point in fact, there has been some specificity, which the church herself has actually put in there. It's about 200 pages. Um, I give it to the bishop first to review it because obviously that book is going to be a lightning rod. <laughs> um, but if it goes as planned, my, it, uh, if the bishop gives us permission to go ahead with it without any substantial revisions, which I don't think it is because it's not, it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a scholastic work. It's really focusing on what we can actually know without, um, criticizing one right or another or criticizing the Pope or anything like that. If that's not my intention, my intention is just lay out the principles that govern this discussion. Um, so if it is, if the Bishop gives permission, my hope is to have it out by the middle of March at the very latest. And do you have any citations or is this all your stuff you just made up? <laughs> no. Well, therein <laughs> lies the interesting thing. So the book, the book is, the citations are just all over the place. Because this is literally a topic that you cannot draw any conclusions. It has to be purely citations. Because if you, I mean, you can extrapolate, this is what this citation means. But if you draw any conclusions of yourself, you're just immediately going to get criticized from whoever. It doesn't matter what you say, you're going to get criticized. And what I, my goal was to get out there was, this is how the church understood it always in the past. And these were the principles that governed Govern things like liturgical change, when the Pope could or couldn't, how the Pope saw their authority in relationship to certain things, and when they didn't think they had authority in relationship to certain things, whether they can suppress a right, whether they can impose a right, all those things were covered in there. And it's based on um, uh, citations, various citations throughout the history of the church. Just to recap, he doesn't uh, think of himself as holier than thou. He's not. This, he's not voting for himself for the papacy, the next coming conclave. Uh, he doesn't hate women. I'm sure fathers. I right? I mean, I see that in comments. Oh, yeah, I get videos. that too. You hate women. Well, just because I think that women would be happier in the role that God designed them for, which itself triggers everybody, uh, most women, right? Um, doesn't mean that I hate women. It's quite the contrary. Uh, final question: Did you order the code red? <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> did I order the what? Sorry, did, I didn't did hear it. Did you order the code red? Colonel Jessup. Did you? <laughs> oh, uh, I did not. Father, is there anything that we've uh, left off the, uh, that left any points on the field that we haven't covered yet? You know, there's one thing I would like to mention is, you know, I, I tell people, if you really want to get a sense of what time we're living in, just read the prophecy of St. Francis. Now, I realize that the authenticity of that quote of the, pro the prophecy of St. Francis is somewhat open to debate, but I tell people, well, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument, the thing is completely um, uh, specious, not specious is not the right word, it's uh, apocryphal. It doesn't really matter. It, what's in there is true, right? Because one, I, and I think this is one of the things which is kind of the central kind of point of this whole set of in this interview is, in the, in the prophecy of St. Francis, he says, there will be such diversity of opinions and schisms among the people, the religious and the clergy, that except in those days were short and according to the words of the gospel, even the elect would be led into error. 
were they not specially guided amid great confusion by the immense mercy of God. We are just living in a time. You literally cannot say anything publicly without somebody criticizing it. It does not, it literally does not. Literally, if you say there are three persons in the blessed Trinity, someone's going to criticize you and say there's four. Right. I mean, it's literally on that level. Now, there is not a single doctrine of the church of which people are not arguing about and debating now. So, uh, Father, before you go, how about a final blessing like uh, usual? Oh, you bet. Benedictus de omnipotentis, patris et filii, et spiritus in super vos, et semper. Amen.